اللهم صل على سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد وبارك وعن سورة اللقمان سورة نمبر 31 and آية نمبر 18 أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ولا تصعر خدك للناس ولا تمشي في الأرض مرحا إن الله لا يحب كل مختال خور Here Luqman is addressing his son explaining how to behave with people what is the moral conduct of a good person who lives with shukr who lives in the formula of being grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and who wants to show himself and others that he is uh, at peace with who he is and quite happy with what he represents. So he says here, do not turn away your cheek away from people. You know, when people are talking to you and people sometimes may, might become angry at you or disappointed in you, then don't turn away from them. Uh, you must respect who they are and what they are and maintain your dignity and your nobility and you do not want to fall to their level of disdain and contempt and be upright. Which as mentioned in the previous ayah that if you are patient then you will have resolve in you. And don't walk on earth with a sense of arrogance and pride that you want to show people that you have made it big in the world and your accomplishments are good, etc. So you must be humble in your physical body language and you must be humble in your mind and your heart and your inner must reflect your outer and your outer must reflect your inner. The Zahir and the Batin, the Sir and the Alaniya must be together here. So here Luqman is <coughs> now treating his son as a as an adult and saying that this will not be easy, it is difficult. Advice is given not because it's easy to follow. If all advice was easy to follow, then we wouldn't have any need for schooling and training, etc. So we have to come to terms with this, that sometimes, or not sometimes, many times, advice is bitter. And advice is, (coughs) unfortunately, very real, realistic, and uh, difficult to, to abide by. Luqman knows this, so he is now, uh, before the fact, preemptively informing his son that you must be careful and mindful of who you are. If you know who you are, then you will be able to gauge and appreciate who others are and who others are not. So you maintain your self-respect and your dignity by making sure that you're not seen as someone 
who is standoffish and someone who is uh, a bigot or someone who is arrogant and you must not keep anything in your heart in such a way that you walk on earth as if you own the whole earth and so on. So, Without humiliating yourself, be humble. So there is a line between being humble and humiliating yourself. So you have to be careful of that also. When you teach your children adab, respect for others, you must also teach them courage. Right? That you must not become cowards in the face of hostility. You should maintain yourself dignity whether someone is coming after you or someone is not coming after you. It doesn't matter. So you have to have a backbone and a spine. So you do this from a position of strength, not from a position of weakness. If you are humble because you are weak, then that's not humbleness. That is weakness. Right? You allow people to trample all over you and then you, you're not there to defend yourself and your own honor and dignity. That is not what Luqman is saying. To That's not what he's saying. So sometimes people unfortunately become confused and they get their message mixed up and then it confuses the child and the child says, oh, my dad said, I must be polite and not rude. Well, somebody's about to beat you up, you better be rude. You have to defend yourself. That is your honor and dignity also, just as your honor and dignity is to respect people even though they may disagree with you or even though they may dislike you. So here, you see there's a fine line, not necessarily a fine line, it's a very clear line. I mean, sometimes much more than that. It's an obvious line there that Allah does not want you to humiliate yourself. So you must be humble but you must also not humiliate yourself. La yambaghi li muslimin an yudhilla nafsahu. Prophet that it is not appropriate for any believer to humiliate himself and to be treated as a second class or uh, undermining you know, that a Muslim's personal being. Yeah. Now, when you appreciate uh, that you have your own person and personality to maintain, then you appreciate that others also have their own person and personality to maintain. And that's how you go about your daily life. Inna Allah la yuhibbu kullam muhtalin Allah subhanahu wa indeed does not love anyone who is going to walk around with pride and arrogance and someone who is going to be boasting about his accomplishments in life, that you walk in such a way and you carry yourself in such a way that you are the greatest thing that happened to all of humankind and there's no one like there, out there like you and then you're always boasting about your accomplishments and you are engaged in narcissism and so on. That is not appropriate. Then it becomes, unfortunately, later on becomes a disease and then it becomes cancerous where no one can help you. Even you, you can't help yourself. So, Luqman is saying that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He has given you this ni'mah, so appreciate it from Allah. Then you give thanks to Allah for whatever ni'mah it is He has given you. 
and then show and displays, uh, display that shukr for Allah. And the way shukr is displayed is to be grateful in the way the Quran has already expressed. You worship Allah, you take care of your parents, and you observe your salat, and you do enjoin good, and you stop people from evil. And you have a good disposition, and people who come to see you, or meet you, or look at you, they know that you are okay, but they will not ever try to violate you. One whole package of shukr. This is how shukr comes into the Quranic context, and this is when you're in a mode of shukr, you're going to be naturally happy. When you are appreciative and grateful, then you are positive. When you are ungrateful and you do not appreciate what Allah has given you, what life has given you, then you're always negative and you're always pessimistic and you're always miserable and then you're depressed. Then you become clinically depressed and you get pills that make you more depressed than you were before. Right. So the, the, the whole... Saga of a human person starts with being appreciative and grateful for what Allah has given him or her. That's the mindset. If you have this mindset, and then this mindset will then uh, cause immense joy and happiness in you, in your life, in people around you. If you don't have that mindset, which I mentioned, it's in the first ayah of the Quran, Alhamdulillah, the mindset of praising Allah for everything he's given you, and you're always whining, and you're always bickering, and you're always very pessimistic and negative about you and others around you and life in general, then you start complaining about things that are totally out of your control, like the weather. You love complaining about the weather, as if our complaining about the weather is going to change the weather. Maybe if you complain correctly to those who can do something about the weather, then it might be okay. Then there are those uh, who want to do, do something about it, and there are those who are in denial that the weather is okay. Anyway, so the, the mindset of hamd and shukr now is the key to a person's success in this world. If you are positive and you are successful, then you will not treat others as uh, people who are useless or losers or underneath you. You won't treat them with contempt. You will say, Allah has given me this ni'amah, alhamdulillah, and uh, we make dua that Allah gives everybody this ni'amah. But if you don't see that from Allah and you see it from yourself, then you'll say, they're mukhtal. Then you have gurur, you have deception in you and you see yourself as the best thing, as I said. And you'll see yourself as overachieving no one is good enough for me, and so on. So here we see Luqman, as you can imagine, now the son, who presumably is seven or nine years old. I don't assume anything, anything older than that. But at that time, people were, were, were geared towards a mature life, an adult life from the beginning. As soon as they become responsible for Salat, at the age of seven or ten, then they were told uh, to behave this way. And they would actually internalize the message because they would see everybody else in the community behaving this way. 
What is fascinating is that Luqman is making his son responsible for his behavior. That's what's fascinating. He's not saying that you have to follow me. Anywhere in this passage, there's no mention of Luqman telling his son, follow me, son. Obey me. Please me. Dance to my tune. That's not universal. That is very subjective. If the parent is now a very good person, mashallah, alhamdulillah, Allah makes all good parents, then it's fine. But if the parent is not good, and the parent is saying, follow me, obey me, then? Then you have a problem. So Luqman brings out the universal goodness in good. And he's phrasing the universality of goodness to his son, without saying that you have to follow me. That's why he's not a Nabi. Because the Nabi will say what? Follow me. As Ibrahim said to his father, follow me. Right? Even though he's his son. So a Nabi can tell his father to follow me, but a father can't tell his son to follow me, especially when he's not a Nabi. So what do you follow? You follow the goodness that is universal. And this is a lesson for parenting. Huge lesson for parenting. Unfortunately, what happens is that we use the, 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 the parent, uh, what do you call it, the capsule of blackmailing the child. If you don't please me, you won't get in Jannah. Okay, where's the guarantee you'll be in Jannah? Huh? I, follow you. I don't think I want to follow you. you. <laughs> then the child sees the hypocrisy. So Luqman phrases this advice, nasiha, to his child in such a way that no one can catch him for being holier than thou. I'm your dad. I'm your mother. Follow me. Please be. Obey me. No. This is what you do. That you are grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You do not commit shirk. And all the other advice that Luqman is given to his son, they are based on a universal paradigm of goodness that brings down to earth into the mind and the psyche of a child that no matter what happens to my father or my mother I have to follow this as a way of life. No emotional blackmail is needed if you know what it is Allah wants from you. And in one ayah Luqman says treat your parents kindly even though they're non-Muslims. Right. So even that's universal. Basically, you have to treat me kindly because I'm your parent, but even, God forbid, I was not a Muslim, you still have to treat me kindly because that's what Allah wants. That's what Allah wants from you and of you. So that is what's fascinating. So what I'm saying is that Luqman is making his son responsible for his life, for his actions, for his behavior, for his najat, for his salvation. You are now responsible for you. When uh, we appropriated responsibility to children, then children grew up quicker, faster, and better. When you strip responsibility away from someone whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made responsible for his or her salat, 
by the age of 10, right? And then when they reach the age of puberty, they are now muqallaf legally, they are responsible legally, they should know right from wrong, and everything else that comes with that legal responsibility. So you must appropriate the responsibility onto the child. Doesn't mean it doesn't mean you stop parenting. It means that you must be secure enough in your mind, in your psyche, that as a parent, I have to make him or her responsible for salvation. Now it's your job. I've done mine. Now it's yours. You still want to be the shepherd? That's fine. You still want to protect the child? That's fine. But you must not absolve him or her from his or her responsibility. No, this is you. Why do you want to pray Fajr? You tell me to. No. Because you want to. Right? I get up to Fajr. Why? My dad wakes me up. My mother screams at me. No. Because I want to. When? By the age of 10. That's the adulthood that Rasulullah sallam wanted the Muslim generation after generation to inculcate. Hey, this is about me. Remember my parents. Now, in a household where, God forbid, parents do not wake up for Fajr, then what are you going to say? Or in a household where, God forbid, the parent is not a Muslim, what are you going to say? What's your universal value here? Right? So understanding the universality of Luqman is saying is pivotal to understanding that these values we have are absolute and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has expressed these values through the tongue of Luqman so that Muslim parents may appreciate the art of parenting. So that parenting. You make them responsible from a very early age. You tell them to be responsible for everything in the house. This is how, alhamdulillah, most of my uh, colleagues in my generation were raised. You didn't do the work in the house, you ain't getting anything. You're not responsible to be adult enough, then you're not an adult. Then you'll be disciplined the way a child is disciplined. Nowadays what has happened through the selfie culture, is that you don't make them responsible for anything. And you baby them. Even when they're 25 years old, you still say, Hello. That doesn't work. I don't mean the, the word son or child. Or I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the, the mindset is that I'm still doing things for my parents. Whereas Luqman is saying, do it for yourself. Whoever is grateful is going to be grateful for himself. Now, I'll respect my parents because it comes back to me. I'll treat my parents kindly because it, come back, it comes back to me. I'm going to do all of this because everything comes back to me. So I am now the center of Allah's focus on me. That makes you a better son and daughter, doesn't make you an inferior son or daughter. But since, unfortunately, what happens is that we become insecure, that they will leave us. Why would they leave you if you teach them these universal values? It is counterproductive. So what we need to do is appreciate 
that in this whole passage of Luqman advising his son, he doesn't mention himself. Do this for me. Do this for the parent. Now, you say, well, that's too idealistic. Nowadays, maybe it is. But at least talk about it. Make them responsible for something in their lives. That you are responsible. You see, that I, I, uh, yeah, if the son or daughter says that, you know, I'm responsible for whoever I want to marry, which is what they do. Right? Which obviously is okay, legally. But at the same time, then they must show that they are adult enough to take care of themselves before marriage. And they must be adult enough to take care of all the responsibilities that comes with life and in life. And then they can say, yes, now we are responsible. And the community is not allowing the, 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 the uh, correct amount of appropriation of responsibility towards their children then the community, meaning the parents, should not expect the children to be what they want to be. Then it's a fantasy. Make them responsible. That at the age of 15, you are responsible for your salat, salam, zakat, and hajj. Finish. That's the legal age in Islam. Do it, and you'll see that it makes a tremendous difference in their mindset, in their psyche, and so on. I'm not saying that you let them free and loose. No. Chaperone them if you want, shepherd them if you want, but at least mentally organize them in such a way that they do things either for themselves or the faith, for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is what they, they need to do. Now, invariably, they will make mistakes even until they're 60 years old and they become grandparents. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to feel insecure that at 60 years old he's still making this. That's perfectly human. There's nothing wrong with them. Don't people sin when they're 60 years old? Sure they do. What they do? They make a sikhbat they get on with So you can't whine over the fact that at 40 years old, or 50 years old, 60 years old, they're not being who they should be. Well, maybe you're not who you, what you should be. Right. So the, the idea that they must become perfect, that is a fantasy. And they're, they're not going to be out of my house and out of my supervision until they're perfect. That's all a fantasy, because you're not perfect. Right? So the imperfect, now saying to the imperfect, that you're not perfect. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So Luqman's emphasis is on advising his son. This is what you need to do as an individual living in the world that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has provided for you to do. Individual responsibility trumps the responsibility of others on you. Right? If I'm responsible for my salat, I can't blame my parents for not waking me up for fajr. I'm responsible. It's as simple as that. But until you indoctrinate your children with that idea and philosophy, and the value they need to appropriate to their responsibilities, it won't work. Because they'll still be looking to you for a free lunch. Feed them all you want. I'm not using that literally. It's just a phrase. Feed them how much you want until they die. Then until the 1900 years old, Allah gave us all long life. I don't have a problem. The problem is you're not making them responsible for their lives. You're saying, I'm still responsible. That is not correct Islamically. 
I don't mean culturally. You do what you want. Islamically, they should be the ones saying that I have to do this for the sake of me, not for the sake of you. Change their focus from you to Allah and say Allah will never desert them. If uh, they have their focus on you and you desert them or disappoint them, then what's going to happen? Everything that happens today in the society. I don't like my parents anymore. And this is a disease, unfortunately. What's the, pro- what's the initial problem? The initial problem is that they were never focused on Allah. And the Rasul, they were focused on the parents. So find a way to talk to them and uh, you know, inculcate within them this sense of uh, responsibility that this is about you. This is not about us as your parents. This is about you. You do it for the sake of you. And why are we saying this? Is because Allah says so. Then you remove yourself from uh, the, 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 the figurehead. Okay? Which sometimes in the minds of the children, you are their demon. Haunting them throughout their lives. Right? Then you become the devil. Then you say, he's going to rebel, he's going to leave the house. Why? Because I can't get on with my father or mother. So now unfortunately in the Muslim community, things are starting to become very American-like where kids are running away from home. Muslim kids are running away from Muslim homes, which has never happened in our history, our great history. Why? Because they see that their parents are demons, they're devils, and they don't do this, they don't allow us to do this. If the focus is that you please Allah, and you're grateful to Allah, then this will carry on throughout their lives. If you make uh, the focus on a human being, human beings will disappoint. Because that's what they do. Human beings will desert, because that's what they do. Human beings will fail and struggle, because that's what they do. Allah never deserts, never disappoints. He's always there. You have your faith and trust in Allah, and you follow the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. This is a straight path. It is a path that you take on for the rest of your life, regardless of what your parents are doing or not doing. You make them that responsible, then you have a good community. They'll always come back to you, and they'll always be there for you. If you make you the center of their lives, then that is egocentric. You're saying to them, they worship me, don't worship God. That is not correct. That's why Luqman does never, doesn't mention him in the equation of parenting. You see, it's a, it's a wonderful uh, description uh, of, you know, the art of parenting comes from understanding who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is and what is the practice of Muslims in the Quran. So this is Luqman who is not a Nabi, okay? So that we can say that these values are universal and they are accessible by human interaction and tajruba and experience and the uh, human intellect. Right? We don't necessarily need wahi for this. The fact that it came down was endorsed by wahi is secondary to the fact that Luqman, who was not a Nabi, was able to process all of this and explain his uh, world view to his son. وَقْصِدْ فِي مَشْيِكَ وَغْضُدْ مِنْ صَوْتِكَ إِنَّ أَنْكَرَ الْأَصْغَاتِ لَصَوْتُ الْحَمِيرِ And then when you 
are not supposed to walk arrogantly. How do you walk? You say, walk in such a way that is in moderation. Be moderate in your walk. Here, the walk, the word imshi, or mashu, is both literal and figurative, if you want to make it that way. If you don't, then you'll say it's more figurative than it is than it is literal. Walking in life is such a huge part of a human being's existence that how do you carry yourself? Carry yourself in moderation. Carry yourself. The physical aspect, the literal meaning is also applicable, which I said that Omar radiallahu saw somebody walking uh, on the street and he had his, his neck lowered. Uh, Umar went up to him as, as only Umar can do <laughs> and kind of smacked him on the neck he almost fell down he said Ya Amir Mu'min why you hit me? he said because uh, he said, Tawadu is in your heart not in your neck humbleness is in your heart not in your neck raise your neck that's waqsid be moderate in the way you walk. Don't be a fool and think that because you're lowering your head, you're humble. No. That's called pretense. That only Omar can do that. So he understood. This guy, he's showing off that he is humble. It's a contradiction. How do you do that? I want to be humble, but I'm showing off at the same time. So Omar realized, this is Nifaq in Shaitan. So he smacked him when he said, no. Raise your neck. You're supposed to lower your gaze, not your neck. They lower their gaze. The Quran doesn't say lower your neck. If you lower your neck, then you're still gazing. Through the corner of your eyes. You lower your neck, you're still gazing. Right? So Omar solved the issue of the Ummah that be proud of who you are but lower your gaze and the tawadu and the humbleness comes into your heart which you show through not looking at things you're not supposed to look at. But anyway, waqsid fi mashik may be literal in that sense through the, the athar of Omar and maybe figurative if you want to make it broader and say how do you walk in life be moderate. So if Allah has given you a ni'mah, then you may want to express it somewhere, somehow, decently, without being vain about it. And if Allah has given somebody else a ni'mah, don't be rude about it, and uh, don't be pretentious about it, and don't be jealous, and don't be envious. So, so this may have both connotations. And then he says that even though you may have a very loud voice, lower your voice slightly. Subdue your voice. Lower your voice. You don't have to be the loudest person in the, in the, the, the room, even though you may have a naturally very loud voice. You're naturally loud. I can't help you. No, you can. You can. Bring it down a bit. Umar radiallahu anhu allows this voice as we know from the Sahaba. The Prophet used this voice 
to announce in front of the mushrikeen and the kuffar at the time of warfare and so on. The Prophet ﷺ was naturally soft-spoken. To quote Omar again. Ya or you who believe that lower, make sure that your sound and your voice is lower than the voice of the Prophet Umar said, it was one of my greatest mujahada and struggles in life that I had to lower my voice in front of the Prophet because he was soft-spoken and I was loud. When the eye was revealed, I forced myself to lower my voice. Meaning he did it because Allah wanted him to do it. Right. And that's the tawadu, the adab, the humbleness of the Sahaba. Allah wants me to lower my voice in front of the Prophet's voice. So I lowered my voice even though it was very difficult. My voice is naturally loud. So even my lowest pitch would be higher than the Prophet's pitch. <laughs> then he still did it. So Luqman is saying the same thing to his son. That although you may be loud... And you may want to be loud, but don't be that loud that people find you obnoxious and rude and brattish. Why? Because the most disgusting and repugnant of all voices and sounds is the voice, is the sound of a donkey that is braying. Nobody likes that voice. And this is how you would sound if you want to be pretentious. And be the loudest in the room and shout and scream for whatever reason. So now you see that Luqman is, is inculcating adab and civility into the, the life of his own son. That my son uh, is not exempt from being admonished and from being given a lecture and from being parented. Uh, so here we see an example. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that this, uh, this surah is about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's name, Al-Hakim, the wise, the eternally wise, and now the, 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 these uh, pearls of wisdom have been brought to us uh, through the first few ayat of the uh, surah, and now through the mind and the message of Luqman, that he's saying that this is how Muslims uh, train and uh, discipline and advise their children before they go out into the world. Right? So I dare say that he was only, as I said, nine years old. It wasn't when he was already in the world. It would have been too late. You cannot advise people after the fact. When you're advising children at the age of 15, you must do this. It's too late. You can still correct them. But by that time, they'll have formed habits which become second nature. So before their habits become second nature, you deal with them and you discipline them and you inculcate Good manners, good behavior, a sense of shukr, gratitude towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a sense of uh, love for Allah through salat, a sense of duty towards mankind through al-amr bil-ma'roof wa nahi al-munkar, and a sense of understanding that they need to be more careful about themselves. How do they carry themselves? How do they behave? How do they act? And how, what is their body language? And everything else. So this is now, as I said, the pearls of wisdom, the hikam of Luqman, Okay, must be uh, given to everyone who wants to be a parent. Okay. You need to consult parents before they become parents. 
we might want to do that through the passages of Luqman. It works wonders so that parents know, okay, this is the paradigm, these are the, uh, the parameters and perimeters within which I need to work and operate with my children. After the fact, when they're 16, 18, you're advising your child as they go into college. I think you're a day late and a dollar short. Right? So you advise when they're young. In your household, this is how you need to be in front of people, in front of your parents, in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you must make sure that you, you appreciate everything Allah has given you. The way you appreciate is the way people will look at you and the way you will see the world. This is the world view. We will stop here because the next few ayat, uh, they, uh, they deal with another world view of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We'll stop here. Jazakumullah khair. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide us towards the best path. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep us on that path and give us the best of this world and the world hereafter. Ameen ya rabbal alameen wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khair khalqi wa hamadi wa alihi wa sahabihi wa